Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Here we go! Listening to the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Emerald Flow Show. We're part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. You can follow us on Twitter at Emerald Flow Show, and we are available on all podcast apps. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Uh, you can go to voicesofwrestling.com slash donate to donate to our podcast if you are very generous. So, Paul, we got a lot to talk about today, and we had our first major recording snafu ever, (laughs) but we did not get very far into the show, only not even to like the semi-main event of the first uh, night of the All Japan show. So, I mean, by uh, recording uh, mistakes, uh, that wasn't that bad. Yeah, we were lucky there. Uh, Really only lost about 14 minutes until I noticed that uh, on my end, because now we're not local recording, but normally we're local recording. I noticed that there were no sound waves getting picked up from me at all. So luckily I noticed it then and not like after two hours, uh, that would have definitely sucked because then we would have had a very one-sided conversation where it just sounds like Gerard goes insane where he's just talking to no one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I guess what we were originally like bantering about at the beginning is you went to a Ramstein's show in Prague. Yes, correct. Uh, which I would very heavily recommend to anyone to go to. If you get a chance to go to Rammstein, go to Rammstein. Like it's just, it's absolutely worth the money. It's just an insane show. Like if you like the, if you like that type of music, you obviously absolutely need to go. 
what you should consider going if you if you don't like the music just because of how much of a just spectacle the whole show is. That's very pro wrestling like. Yes, yes, it is. But it's pretty much the pro wrestling of music, just fire and brimstone and explosions and pyro and just noise and music and entertainment. All right. So we get back to uh, reviewing where we left off uh, first night in Sapporo for All Japan on May 14th as part of the Super Power Series Tour. They drew uh, 533 fans on the first night, which uh, was pretty decent given it's a two nights and what the card was. And the, found, the fans were pretty rowdy here. Well, you know, relatively rowdy. And uh, I think Japanese crowds are getting restless. And it sounds like uh, cheering will probably be back very soon. Yes, very much so. They've already announced that the J-League games are going to have a cheering section, basically as a test run before they bring back cheering fully. But yeah, as I said, it is very noticeable that uh, wrestling club crowds are like, they were very disciplined for two years, just admirable on their end, but they are really getting fed up with not being able to make noise anymore. And it's very, very noticeable because there were multiple people on these shows who were like making noise or were like pretty much just like few seconds away from breaking and starting to make noise. So uh, it's really just a question of time. And I would expect that for some shows in June, we might already see some cheering back and it's definitely going to help for example like cyber fight is going to be massively improved or the cyber fight festival rather is going to be massively improved by having fans cheer yeah definitely for sure because there's not much else on that show no <laughs> um and i thought it was funny because i knew there was going to be uh, sort of uh they were going to make some noise because in the first match of the show uh, they had kohei wada referee it and uh, there were a couple people making the kohei call so I was like, oh, well, these fans are going to make some noise. So the first match of the show, Yoshitatsu defeated Ryo Inoue in five minutes and 53 seconds with a crab hold. Inoue actually got a decent amount of offense here, but Yoshitatsu played the grumpy veteran. Um, it was good for what it was, and it just seems Yoshitatsu is really going to be slotted in now. Um, this opening match role, probably not unlike Takao Mori and maybe the Yoshi, the Tatsu universe is over. Yeah, and I would definitely be in favor of that. To be honest, this in this, I really enjoyed him in this match. Just as the grumpy veteran punishing the young boy, I think that's actually a really good position for him to be in now. Uh, so I think it's kind of at that right age as well for him to kind of move down the card and just kind of settle into this more of a teacher role, basically. Yeah, definitely. And for our second match, it was a three-way match. Black Mensa Ray defeated Izanagi and Brute Issei in five minutes and 36 seconds when Izanagi, or sorry, Mensa Ray pinned Izanagi because Issei threw Mensa Ray on top of Izanagi, who was lying on his back, so on the pinfall, but Issei put his foot up on Izanagi's back, so technically it was Izanagi, or sorry, Mensa Ray getting the cover. Uh, this was not much. Um, you know, Issei was in all Japan hyped up. He's a very large guy. It was going to be a super rookie, probably Suwama's generational rival. Uh, before he left on an excursion where he got injured his shoulder and retired, he was already getting wins over like, you know, other opening match guys and stuff like that. Although I will say looking at him now, I mean, he's only wrestled a handful of matches since returning in 2020 and just tap out. Uh, you know, you're not missing much. <laughs> no, definitely not. It's 
don't think we'll ever know what Brute Ethic could have been if he hadn't gotten injured there. Because for guys like him, they need to like find that switch to like flip to just become really, really good. And it kind of happens to them overnight. So obviously at this stage, it's very unlikely that he will ever find that next gear. Uh, and we will never know if he would have ever found that gear uh, if he hadn't gotten injured. But just the way he is now, he is just kind of useless. Like he doesn't even have proper wrestling gear. Like he was wrestling in a jumper. Yeah, he looked like a plumber or something. Um, so the next match after that was uh, Tajiri and Ryuki Honda defeating Hikaru Sato and Dan Tamara in 10 minutes exactly when uh, Honda pinned Tamara after the final event. I thought this was a pretty good little fun match. Tajiri mostly stayed out of the way. It was and just a showcase to sort of get some heat on Honda and continue to establish him. And so in that regard, it, it uh, accomplished its mission. Yeah, exactly. It was a match that was, did what it was supposed to do, which was put over Honda. And it was fine for what it was. In the next match, um, local Hokkaido, uh, he's from Hokkaido. So Jake Lee defend, uh, defeated Takawa Mori in three minutes and 28 seconds with an arm lock. Uh, this was pretty good. It was basically a sprint. Omori like did a couple of elbows off the second rope. He missed one and then hit the second. Pulled out like you know um, full Nelson slam really early on. It was a sprint, and but Jake just sort of like gave him some kicks and knees and put him in arm lock for a quick submission. This is all about building Jake back up because I think he will be facing uh, Kento at Oda Ward Gym in June. Mm-hmm. Yep, this really was just. To put over Jake. I was surprised how fast it went. Obviously expected Jake to win, but I didn't expect this kind of sub five minute squash of Omori, who is still a former triple crown champion. And that's really a thing I've been noticing as well is how selfless Omori really has been, where he tapped out to Hikaru Sato last year, who is a junior, and him just kind of being willing to just get completely kind of squashed by Jake here. Uh, like I don't think there's really that many former Triple Crown champions that would be willing to like just let themselves just get completely dominated like this. Yeah, definitely. He's pretty selfless. He's also apparently popular backstage. And so, you know, there's times where I'm like, well, maybe Omori should just get the book because <laughs> this was not that long ago I was thinking that. And I was like, well, it can't get any worse. Although I will say that uh, after these shows, things are getting a lot better. I mean, maybe that's just his long-term play where he's just like, oh yeah, I'm so selfless. I'm so selfless. He should give me the book. And then they give him the book and then he immediately like squashes Kanto in like sub five <laughs> minutes and just runs rough out of the whole promotion. That would be some, uh, I mean, I would give him credit for that, for working, uh, working the boys that hard. Then he definitely goes into the can politic category in that case. <laughs> yes. Uh, our next match, all Asia tag team title match. Hokuto Omori, who's also from Hokkaido. Uh, he's from a city that borders, I think, just east of Sapporo. And Yusuke Kodama defeated uh, local indie guys Tomoya and Noriyuki Honda in 10 minutes and 35 seconds when Kodama pinned uh, Yoshida after a Le Magistral cradle. Um, now, Tomoya and Yoshida uh, are very indie-rific looking uh, with some garishly bright colors, but uh, they are pretty good workers. Yeah, when, when I saw them come out and they're very oddly colored gear uh i was like okay let's let's see what this is going to be like because i'm not really familiar with either guy uh but when the match actually started i was surprised i think they really hung in there uh with omori and kodama 
obviously never gave them a chance to actually win the match, but I think they did about as well as I thought they could be. And I actually ended up really enjoying the match because of that. Uh, yeah, definitely. I definitely. I had seen, I think it was Yoshida before and he had sort of impressed me. So I was expecting this to be good and it, and it delivered in that regard. I don't know what the like financial makes sense to bring them elsewhere in Japan, but I would have no problem with them being stuck in like mid card on other shows regularly, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, if they're willing to do that, then I think that would be a good idea. But obviously Hokkaido is a far way away from the rest of Japan. So as I said, not sure how much financial sense that makes or if both of like, if either of them would also even be interested in leaving Hokkaido. So, but I mean, obviously you can put them on shows every time you actually do go to Hokkaido and put them in a match like this. I think they're perfectly slotted for that. Yeah. And so uh, in a match that was called a triple crown skirmish setting up for the following night, Kento Miyahara and Rising Hayato of Next Stream went to a draw with Yuma Aoyagi and Atsuki Aoyagi of Next Stream in 30 minutes. Paul, this is one of the best matches I've seen all year. <laughs> this was incredible. I went four and three quarters. I mean, it did everything. It, it, it said to your, it, it said, hmm, well, I don't know who's going to win tomorrow night because, you know, whoever won tonight would probably lose in the triple crown match and Atsuki and Hayato were really the stars of this match in a lot of ways. And I would argue even Hayato and some of those moments where he was trying to take on both of the Aoyagis at the same time, just, ah, this is like incredible. I've watched it three times. I might add, um, <laughs> I love this. It's gotta be like, might, yeah, I don't know. It might be my, maybe like two or three in my match of the year right now, I think just incredible there was like barely any downtime it didn't feel like a draw like when i started watching it i was like yeah they're not going to it i never really crossed my mind that they were going to a draw on it and it didn't feel like they were going to a draw because some of those closing minutes again with hayato against atsuki was just like oh yep something they're like pulling out all the big moves someone's going to get pinned but it's just just incredible and like after the match hayato was like looked really pissed at that he couldn't put atsuki away and uh well, we'll see where that's going, if there's going to be any tension uh, between them. But yeah, this was just incredible. Like, you have to watch this match if you're going to watch, like, the Triple Crown match the following night, I think. Yeah, uh, I don't think I'm quite as high on it as you are, but I also thought it was a really great match. It was just a completely relentless pace, and just all four men just really hung in there. And you've kind of touched on it as well, like, kind of on Hayato's perf- uh, performance in there, because I have been a little bit down on him. Uh, this year so far but I think he really he really showed what he can do here like I I walked like he was probably the one that oppressed me the most in the match just because of the way that like he just like took a lot of heat from the Aoyagis and he just showed just really great resilience in there just amazing kind of underdog baby face performance just getting punished relentlessly and just hanging in there just kind of by the skin of his teeth basically uh, I like. I think especially like probably my favorite spot of his when was when Yuma had him in a uh, Boston Crab, and I actually for a while thought that was going to be the finish, and then he just barely managed to get to the ropes. I thought that was really really great. Uh, there were a couple of times as well where like I bought on like something that might be a finish, and it didn't turn out to be one, and they just kept on going because 
yeah, I also didn't expect this to be a time limit draw just because of the way the pace was as well, where sometimes the draw is given away from the fact that like there's like a downtime sometime in the match. And that just wasn't in this case. They just went like nonstop speed go for 30 straight minutes. Just absolutely amazing performance. Like for me though, like I don't think it would be like match of the year candidate, but I just loved it anyway. Like for me, it was like four and a half stars. Uh, definitely the for me it was the second best match uh, between those two shows and it was definitely the best match on this show easily and yeah just amazing performance by all four men yeah like um i thought like in in terms of hayato i thought his match obviously in january for the junior title against sugi was um, very disappointing there's botches but since then, I, I thought he sort of stepped up his game. It was like a sort of a challenge and a learning thing that, you know, he's got to, he's going to push himself. And I was never thought he would ha- even have that much high of a ceiling in the junior division, but I don't think like sort of eventually making him into sort of Atsuki's generational rival. That's, I don't think that's a bad idea at all. Yeah. Uh, as I said, he has kind of stepped it up since his disappointing match earlier in the year. But I think even then, I was like, okay, yeah, he has gotten better, but he still very clearly felt like the fourth best guy in next stream. And it was like not even really that close between him and Atsuki, where it was just basically like he was very clearly at the bottom. Obviously, like Kento and Yuma, like way ahead of the other two. But then it's like, so then there's the gap between them and Atsuki. But then it was like another large gap between. Atsuki and Hayato right and it didn't really get that feeling in this match like all four men felt like relatively close to each other obviously you and Kento are the best two but like Atsuki and Hayato have kind of like closed the gap a bit and I think Hayato has like at least within this match closed more or less the gap to Atsuki so hopefully this isn't just like a one-off and this is actually just like shows that he has like he's like starting to put everything together and if, if that's true, then yeah, I agree with you that it makes sense if you make him and uh, Atsuki like rivals in the junior division. I think they could have some banger singles matches in that case. Yeah, we'll get to more about the future of next stream after uh, the main event of the next show. And the main event of the first show on the 14th for the World Tag Team Championship, Twin Towers, Shuji Ishikawa and Kohei Sato defeated Suwama and Shotaro Ashino in 18 minutes and 31 seconds when Ishikawa pinned Suwama after a giant slam. And so this was their failed fourth defense and the Twin Towers are the new champions. I thought this was good, but not great. I thought the like the first few minutes, not much to the match. Although I have to say, I thought the last couple of minutes were pretty good. Suwama took some big bumps. He took a falcon arrow from Sato and then he took like a giant slam from Ishikawa. So props to him for that. And then, you know, what sort of allowed Twin Towers to win is that Suwama was holding up, uh, I think it was Ishikawa or maybe it was Sato. But the point is, Ashina went up for a missile drop kick. Whoever it was moved out of the way. I think it was Ishikawa and hit um, uh, Suwama with the missile drop kick. And so that sort of led to um, Suwama then eventually getting pinned. And after the match, they were angry with each other and everything like that. And we'll get more into that later, but you know, I went like three and a half, you know, I guess sort of disappointing given what we had um, just saw before, but 
you know, it was, you know, sort of, I guess the bare minimum you want for a main event tag team match. Um, yeah. Kind of agree with your assessment. Like it was good, not great. I was very much surprised that Suama was the one that took the pin here. Uh, I mean, I did, ex- I was expecting runaway suplex to win the match. They obviously didn't, yeah. uh, but I, but I thought that if Twin Towers were going to win, I did expect Ashino to take the pin and that didn't happen. So I was very surprised when Suwama did stay down. Uh, but he did also like, like Ishikawa just pretty much just like took his entire like arsenal and just unloaded it on Suwama. So like Suwama yeah. also got to like kick out of like a bunch of uh, uh, Ishikawa stuff. Like he kicked out of the fire thunder, like just before the finish as well. Um, yeah, I was Kind of surprised by that. Curious to see how Twin Towers' reign will go because they can still go against the right opponents, but obviously both of them have kind of slowed down considerably as well. Well, I think Sato is the real, you know. Yeah, he is the weak point. Yeah, I mean Ishikawa, like if he's motivated, he can definitely like still pull like pull out really good matches. Yeah. But Sato just has like a very clear like ceiling now. Sato just gives people hard forearms and stiffs them, which is like, you know, fun, but it, mm-hmm. you know, he needs Ishikawa to cover for. <laughs> oh, yeah, very much so. I mean, they did have that match with astronauts. It was really, really good. But again, that was like because astronauts were just bumping around like madmen, just really putting these two guys over. So I think they'd kind of need that type of team to really get a great match out of them. And I think. Yeah, next up, they're defending against Kumadoi, and I kind of not really looking forward to that match, to be honest, because I don't think that's a team that meshes well with this current Twin Towers. I think they would have a really good match with Twin Towers from like six years ago, but Twin Towers from right now, I have my doubts that they mix like that. that, That's a really good like matchup. Uh, So after this match, on the first night, anyway, in like backstage comments, Ashino said he wanted to challenge for the um, world tag titles again with Suwama, but uh, I don't know if that's happening. And we'll get to that because we move on to yeah. night two, May 15th, same venue in the hotel, Emisia Sapporo, 695 fans, which is just a little below their peak uh, before the pandemic, which was like seven something, I think, wasn't it, Paul? Yeah, so I looked at the force, they ran this venue four times in 2019 and this show actually drew better than uh, three of the four shows Uh, and the one show that drew better than this one also only drew six more people as well because that one drew 701 fans oh wow okay so it wasn't even that big okay yes exactly so like they're pretty much right back to where they were pre-pandemic which i think is that's that's a great sign yeah that they just like i think you can you have to call it a success that like they went back and just right away to go right back to what they were drawing before i think that definitely eases some of my fears that i've been having where it's like okay are crowds going to come back or is essentially like the half of the people that didn't get to go to shows during the pandemic just done with wrestling now but it seems at least for like Sapporo, it seems like people were just like patiently waiting to be allowed back into venues i think that's great. Um, now, why that one show drew better, I can't tell you because I looked at the card for the one show that drew 700 fa- 701 fans. 
and it's just a complete nothing card. Whereas the other three shows that drew worse than this one were like two were champion carnival shows and one was a tag league show. So you wouldn't fully really expect those to draw better, but yeah, you never know. But I think it's still, it's a great sign anyway. And now to be fair, they did kind of load up this card, but again, I think it's an encouraging sign that they go right back to what they were drawing in Sapporo previously. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's still all about Kento putting those butts in seats, but um, still, uh, it's a good sign. Yes. Um, um, I mean, I don't know. Like, obviously, we can't really make any comments yet about y Yuma Yoyagi as a draw, but I mean, it is still like, obviously, Kento is the main draw, but you do have to give the challenger uh, like some credit as well. So hopefully, that is a sign that people are interested in seeing Yuma Yoyagi in main event matches. Well, that's what they're trying to do, right? That's the plan, basically. Yeah. Um, so the first match was Atsuki Aoyagi in Rising Hayato defeating Ryuki Honda and Hokuto Omori in 19 minutes and 12 seconds. That is a long opener. Uh, when uh, Hayato pinned uh, Omori with the Shimanami driver. Um, I thought this was a little slow to start, but it got really good towards the end. Um, I really like that. Obviously, it was not anywhere close to the 30 minute draw, but I just like that. They said to like four young guys go out there, open the show 20 minutes and it turned into a really good match and it would set up an all Asia tag uh, title match that will happen on June 12th between uh, Aoyagi and Hayato versus um, Hokuto and Kodama. So mission accomplished there. And I want to see all Japan do this more. Just put all the young guys in a match, no olds and let them go out there for 20 minutes. Yeah. I think this really, was a really nice showcase for the future of the promotion. And I think it's looking pretty good at the very least on the junior division. So uh, I think that's a really encouraging sign. Um, I was, I mean, obviously because they got an all age attack title challenge out of it, but I was still kind of surprised to see the next stream team win, just given based on, uh, based on the kind of tensions in the faction that we have currently. Um, but regardless of that, like I think Still really looking forward to that match. That should be a really, really, really good all-age attack title match. Uh, and yeah, as I said, like I also want to see more of these type of matches as well. Just have the young guys go out there and just show what they can do and put themselves over and just get crowds invested in them so that when you push them up the cards that uh, crowds will already be invested in them based on what they've done previously. Yeah, I mean, like, so... I just weird for me to say this sometimes, but like this was just like perfect booking by all Japan for <laughs> once, you know, like, you know, exactly what you need to do for, to develop these guys. So our second match was uh, not just real quick on the book. Like I think top to bottom, like all both shows were just booked like really well. Like there was just really kind of no kind of booking decision that I kind of disagreed with. Like well, when, when it was all over, like I was kind of like, the tag title match I was at first was like, okay, let's see. But then like after obviously what we're going to talk about later on the second night, I was like, okay, yeah, that actually did make sense. Well, speaking of booking, I should forgot to say before the show started, we got a video message from Taru. <laughs> and he announced that he will be coming and bringing Voodoo Murders to uh, Cork and Hall on May 29th and that he was going to go after Suwama and Evolution. So we'll get we'll talk about that match later, but just speaking of good booking, um, yeah, Taro, hooray. maybe this is all just a long term sting operation to actually send him <laughs> to prison. 
Yeah. So our second match was uh, Tajiri and Brute Issei uh, defeating Ryo Inoue and Shigeyuki Kawahara in eight minutes and 18 seconds uh, when Tajiri pinned Inoue after a pile driver. A little bit of trivia note. Kawahara is another uh, Hokkaido indie guy, but he was trained by uh, SmackDown and number one announcer Funaki. And I actually thought he was, uh, I'd never seen him before. I actually think this was his first time in all Japan. And I thought he was actually uh, pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm always surprised. Because kind of these kind of Japanese indie guys, especially in like something like Hokkaido, it can be like a bit in hit and miss. But I think all Japan kind of like nailed it. Well, maybe except with the exception of Brutus say <laughs> they kind of like nailed the kind of local guys that they brought in for these shows. Sure. And yeah, like Kawahara, like he did really well. Um, I was kind of surprised that Tajiri got the pin here, not Issei, but I guess that was also kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I actually thought, well. given what uh, what I saw last night in a match involving Issei, I thought this was like shockingly passable. <laughs> he definitely was better here than he was on night one, yes. Yeah. Uh, no, I just meant the match itself. He kind of really didn't add anything here either. <laughs> the, rear, the, the rare Tajiri uh, pulling the weight for his team. Yeah, it's like yeah, complete opposite of like Night One was like Tajiri stayed out of the way and it was good because of that. And here it was like, no, Tajiri was actually kind of the best guy in the match, which doesn't really happen that often anymore in 2022. Yeah. So our third match, uh, Tomoya and Noriyuki Yoshida defeated uh, Izanagi and Black Mensurei in nine minutes and 54 seconds when Tomoya pinned Izanagi after the SOD. Um, I wouldn't say this was as good as the um, All-Asia Tag Title match uh, last night, but Tomoya and Yoshida looked good again, and it was a fun little, you know, match, like three stars. Um, to me, the sort of interesting thing was that they just had Izanagi lose to some, you know, indie guys that they brought in for a show, and I can't help but feel Izanagi might not be long for this promotion, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I also get the feeling, like, also is Purple Haze done now? Yeah, I get the feeling I just that like, Purple Haze is done. Yeah, like they just quietly retired that faction because Erie is just mainly teaming with Stronghearts guys now. Yeah. So I think they just kind of quietly retired the faction. Uh, I mean, it makes sense because he had a great run. Like he had a really long, like fruitful run. Like it was probably like one of the best runs of his entire career, to be honest. He got a title reign out of it as well. So like going to be sad to see him go because he was always like, one of the most entertaining parts of the undercard. Well, this is just speculation, but it just feels yeah. like it. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because again, like not to be like shoot trash, but like obviously he has like stuff he needs to do in Osaka Pro as well. Right. So like if they actually like ramp that one up more and run that if Osaka Pro starts running regularly, then he would have to split time between All Japan and Osaka Pro. So maybe he just becomes a guy that like appears on Osaka shows or like maybe some Tokyo shows. And then otherwise uh, he will just focus on Osaka pro going forward. Yeah. Uh, that's just sort of how it feels, but um, you know, it's probably, you know, I don't think it would be a, a super big loss because there'll be talent returning soon. Like the Saito brothers will be back. And then uh, Ryoma Sukamoto is already training um, from his knee injury. So he will probably be back very soon as well. Yeah. So you need to probably like clean up the card a bit. Is he, he's a freelancer, right? He never actually signed a proper contract. Who? Izanagi? No, he's contracted. He is a contractor. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's so, listed but as a in that case, member. yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised that 
if like at the end of the year they just let this contract expire mm -hmm, for sure um and then uh in another jake lee singles match he defeated yoshitatsu in nine minutes and 29 seconds with a d4c I thought this was a fun little match, a bit of a back and forth. Yoshitatsu did get some offense for a little while longer than um, Omori did the night before. But then so Jake Lee sort of just no-sells it and just hit the D4C out of nowhere off a reversal. Um, it did what it needed to do. And I thought Yoshitatsu actually looked pretty decent here. Yeah, uh, it was okay. To be honest, I don't really have any additional comments. No, I mean, there wasn't a match. I mean, it was fine. Yeah, exactly. It was a match. Like, it was a perfectly was acceptable match. It yeah. put over Jake. Yoshitatsu did well. And then the match ended. <laughs> and that was really pretty much it. I think they did well as well. Like, kind of give Jake two singles matches uh, mm -hmm. on kind of the Hokkaido shows because they didn't really give him anything kind of, kind of really sink his teeth into. Like, he wasn't really in any kind of important match. But he just still, like, got put over in front of the hometown crowd. And I think that was really kind of the goal here while they kind of uh, like kind of keep him in the wings, keep him strong before they kind of push him back up the card. Yeah, definitely. And I thought he carried himself uh, well, uh, pretty well. Uh, like I'm saying, it's, it's, it's hit or miss. You never know what kind of Jake performance you're going to get. Um, I was a little surprised he didn't play to the crowd at least a little bit more because he was like the hometown guy because like Omori did that. Right. Omori to me kind of noticeably was a bit more like baby facey in like some of his mannerisms, especially like during his entrance. And Jake just kind of like stuck with his regular character. Well, to be fair, I mean, I think you can make an argument for kind of either approach for your hometown show. Right. But I, it was something that I did notice as a difference between the two. Uh, I was just thinking uh, Jake Lee has the second worst laugh in professional wrestling. Uh, who's worse? Seth Rollins. Oh God, yeah. Because thinking it's like Will Ospreay or yeah. No, I think but, it's definitely no. Seth. Yeah, no. Seth. Uh, also, sorry, but I think I need to correct you here. It's Seth freaking Rollins. Like, oh yes, that's please right. don't like incorrectly like name the person. All right. So then we got uh, a match that was really just an angle. Shuji Ishikawa, Kohei Sato, and Takawa Mori defeated Suwama, Shotaro, Ashino, and Dan Tamara. Seven minutes and 59 seconds when Omori pinned Tamara after the Axe Bomber. Uh, actually kind of likes Omori teaming with the Twin Towers because uh, he's a pretty tall himself. Um, so that was like a cool vibe. And yeah, they sort of just came in there, blocked Evolution from doing anything at all. And then just Omori, bam, Tamara pinned Tamara after the Axe Bomber. And then after the match... Shino looked pissed and he shoved Suwama, you know, not like super hard, but like a, hey, you know, we got some problems here. Then Shino turned his back and then Suwama backdropped him. Yeah. And, um, you know, Tamara looked confused and upset that this was all going down like this. Um, I guess, I mean, some of this involves having to translate and read, uh, you know, stuff. I think Runaway Suplex is officially broken up, but I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about this. We're talking about good booking. I just still think it's way too early to break them up unless they are coming back together real quickly. I don't think they're going to go back together. And what I'm actually curious about is whether or not Savama will actually go full heel based off of this because he was the one that attacked Ashino. And we do have that uh, tag match with Voodoo Murderers. Yeah, I think that this is like a, a case of like Taru like 
tempting Suwama to the dark side and like, you know, might actually bring him over. Yeah, because this started off after Suwama had that one-off team with Voodoo Murderers. So, yeah. like, because, yeah, because previously there were, like, no real issues between, like, Runaway Suplex and then, like, right after he teamed with Voodoo Murderers, like, this whole thing starts off. That, that's why that, to me, is kind of the tip-off that, like, something's going to happen there and it's either going to be, like, that's then the question is, like, does that then lead to, like, the full-time return of, like, Voodoo Murderers to all Japan? <laughs> yeah, and then I what mean. happens with evolution based off of that like well and to me actually what happens to Ashino? yeah because there's also still the possibility that this is all a swerve and Ashino is actually the one that turns and joins voodoo murderers oh god <laughs> can you imagine Ashino with red hair e- yeah kind of yeah. might actually not be the worst one but yeah he doesn't really vibe well with the style of the faction otherwise it's like a well, guy that like we're getting a bit heel heavy in this company too though <laughs> yes yes um i don't know i mean you probably could still turn suvama heel and not have him join voodoo murderers like i don't know there's probably like a different approach there i mean like ideally if suvama's turning heel this is all just to have ashino just finally beat him in a singles match i mean i don't really yes. see any any other there's no other reason to do it or at least that actually adds anything to the company in a meaningful way other than Ashino beating Suwam in a singles match. Yeah, and that's why I kind of do like the booking because to me that like it signals that Ashino's in for like a big singles push. Um, because I did like runaway suplex, but it was also just kind of a thing to kind of keep either men busy in a way because like it never really felt to me like right. for example, like Violent Giants to me. That was like a proper tag team that wasn't just a way to keep Ishikawa and Suwama busy. Like that was like a proper push tag team. Mm-hmm. Whereas Runaway Suplex, like, I don't know, to me, I always got the feeling that it's like a thing to keep them spinning or to keep them in a prominent position while you figure out something to do with them or while you wait to pull the trigger on something like this. So, and now you're probably going to get like throughout the summer, you're going to get like a Suwama and Ashino feud. I think. Yeah. That actually could be like something really, really interesting. Uh, to also like have something that you can like main event some some of the like smaller shows with as well. And yeah, that's probably gonna like end with like a big singles match at Budokan, is what I think this actually leads to eventually. And I think Ashino gets the win there. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Then we'll see kind of what he does after that. Yeah, and I guess like I wrote this in my review up at voiceofwrestling.com, but like I suppose Twin Towers winning the tag titles and Runaway Suplex uh, losing them isn't the worst from a booking perspective because <laughs> there's not any credible teams to challenge, right? So unless you yeah, do they, like constant yeah. title switches, there's like it's going to be very boring, I guess. But I don't know. Yeah, it, it like- is kind of curious because All Japan has always been so much more of a kind of heavyweight tag team promotion going all the way back to like the origins of the promotion really yeah like tag league is still kind of the biggest tournament that they have every year so it is kind of weird that right now they pretty much have well i mean now that runaway suplex is done they really only have two heavyweight tag teams they really only have twin towers and 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 that's it yeah and kumadoi are just like i know you know many people want them to have a, a 
a run with the tag titles, but at the same time, I think they are just sort of like the occasional challengers too, right? So you, I, I do still want to see them get a run with the titles, maybe not a long run, but I do at least want to see them win it. Like, I think they can be like perfectly fine, like transitional champions. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I would obviously like the Satis are going to return from excursion soon. So that adds like another team and hopefully uh, they can like become something when they come back from excursion. So we'll see how that goes. And then, yeah, maybe like, like, like I said, I'm still kind of hoping for like a Honda Jake Lee team. Like, I think that's really something that the division would need. Yeah. Uh, well, because well, we'll see with that because we'll get to maybe where Jake Lee's going later. So the semi-main event for the PWF World Junior Heavyweight Title, Hikaru Sato defeated Yusuke Kodama in 17 minutes and 31 seconds with the capture style cross arm breaker. That's where he puts you in the arm bar and grabs your leg uh, to make his third successful defense of the title. Um, I thought this was actually pretty good. Um, I mean, Sato's ability to work with so many different variety of opponents uh, is great. Um, there were some cool spots where like uh, Kodama went for a mad splash and then uh, Sato caught him and put him in an arm bar. And the finish was cool because, uh, yeah, uh, Sato reversed out of a German suplex and then got the, the finishing hold on in that way. And Kodama worked hard here, which is, you know, he's a little hit and miss in that, but Honestly, Kodama in the big matches has really been, well, relatively big matches for Junior and always a tag title um, matches. But, you know, he's been mostly delivering in those spots in the last little while. So, and he did so here. So I really like this. Yeah, I ended up really liking the match as well. I don't think it was a great match. Like, I think it was just below that for me. Didn't quite get to that kind of next height. Uh, or that next level in a way. Um, but both men work really, really hard. As I said, Kodama can be kind of hit and miss at times, and he was definitely hit here. Uh, he seemed motivated to like put in a good performance, and I thought Sato was like good as he always is, and I thought those they they kind of matched up reasonably well. Um, yeah, it was a really fun defense. Like it was like. A, really good way to like get another title defense under Sato's belt as he kind of continues to build his reign. Um, how, how long do you think he is actually going to hold this belt? Do you think he's going to hold it all the way to Budokan or do you think they might flip it at like Oda Ward or like another show before then? Well, uh, I don't think it's being flipped at Oda Ward because I think he's facing because after the match, Hikaru Sato called out Tiger Mask. Yay. Well, you know, I might be one of the only people who is looking forward to it. My perspective, I always liked Tiger Mask. Like when I first saw him in Michinoku Pro, I understand he's not what he once was, but Sato has the style that he can get something out of Tiger Mask. And it seems to me, and not just here, but Kojima in Noah and then Nagata sort of maybe teasing that he'll be in All Japan. And uh, what else was there? Oh, Minoru Suzuki is going to be on the All Japan Corkin Hall show on June 12th instead of being at Dominion. So it seems to me now that the borders are open that New Japan is basically lending out all of their old guys because they don't have anything for them. Yeah, no, I think that's very obviously what's happening here. Like New Japan is very clearly making space on their cards for the foreigners to come back. Uh, I mean, it's not the worst thing. I mean, Tiger Mask, I don't know, like, it's 
never really like a guy that I found like. Look, you take what you exciting. can get when you're a company the size of All Japan dealing with New Japan is is my sort of feeling on this. Yeah, I mean, because I heard like when I heard the promo, I heard like Shin Nihon. I was like, oh, Tiger Mask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I caught that too, and uh, I was like, oh, well, you know, I don't know. I might be the high the high man on this, uh, but uh, uh, you know, I I. Uh, I guess I guess I'm mildly interested in it. Um, yeah, because I'm trying to think who else would be would have been like a veteran kind of guy that they might want to like Taguchi. shuffle off the card base. Yeah, Taguchi would be like the only other one. Um, I mean, if it's like serious Taguchi against Sato, I think that actually would be a better match than Sato. Yeah, but given Sato, well, Sato wrestles um, a serious style in all Japan, but you know that. Oh no! Actually, they, yeah they could have a Taguchi and Sato could have a match based all around asses if they wanted oh, absolutely. to. Absolutely. We could get like YMZ. Uh, we could get YMZ Hikaru Sato show up in like a maid outfit and that try to put oh, things up. <laughs> actually, yeah, yeah, never mind. Butt. You know what? Give me Tiger Mask and Sato. Actually, that's <laughs> just the safer bet on what the match is going to be. Yeah, I don't think that was formally announced for Oda Ward, but I, that's where I assume that's going to happen. Um, so we get to our main event. Uh, Kento Miyahara defeated Yuma Aoyaki in 32 minutes and 43 seconds with a shutdown German suplex to make his third successful defense. I mean, this was an incredible match. Um, you know, I'm not quite sure I'm ready to put it up, up, up on my match of the year candidate list. Now, certainly there were moments there that I watched this live too. There were moments there that got me like, oh my God, is Yuma going to pull this off? Which is obviously, you know, the kind of feeling that you want to generate. But here is my gripe with this match. Yuma clearly works over Kento's right knee, which is the knee that Kento uses for um, the, the blackout knee. Now I get, obviously, I'm not even that much of a selling fetishist, but what the right knee in particular is, is like in wrestling in like Canada, the United States, in Japan, I don't know about Europe, they work from the left. So if you're just randomly working a body part in a match, you just work the left arm or the left leg in Mexico, it's the right side. So for Yuma to specifically target Kanto's right leg, it's like part of like a story. And there was a couple of times when Kanto sort of sold the knee using a blackout knee that he was had injured it, but ultimately it didn't play into the finish. And I thought if it somehow played into the finish, whether it was, you know, Yuma neutralizing the blackout knee and winning or like Kento finding out, finding another way to sort of set up the shutdown German or, you know, win with some other move. I think this would have like just shot this match to the stratosphere with that. So I just think like going to the story of the knee in the way that, you know, one works a wrestling match that felt really disappointing to me. I don't know if that's really nitpicky or about the whole sort of left, right working body part thing, but it did stick out to me. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I didn't really notice that. <laughs> if I'm being quite honest, <laughs> I thought this match was amazing. Uh, to me, this was like the best match between those two shows. And I actually would have gone like full five on full five stars on the match. If Yuma had won it, uh, I actually ended up biting really, really hard on some of these near falls as well. Like when Yuma was like pulling out all of these like cradles on Kento, like I think he actually like caught him like a couple of times. That was really kind of like my main kind of thing I caught in the match. I didn't really like notice that too much. Like obviously I noticed that he was working the leg, 
but I didn't really pay attention to like which leg it specifically was, if I'm being honest. So can't really like share the criticism because I just didn't notice it. But what what did you think like of the match kind of otherwise? Like besides well, I mean, it was, selling it was, issues. Obviously it was like incredible. It's the best match that the two have had against each other. And it and I think it is obviously going to be a high end match of the year candidate for many. Um, but that was just something that stick, stuck out to me. And I guess it sort of just was like why I can't quite put it on elite elite level, but I mean, it's still better than like 95 max, 95% of the matches I've watched this year. No question. I mean, go out and watch this match, but yeah. I'm just explaining why I don't put it on like a super elite level. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, I mean, now I kind of have to like go back and watch it again to see if I notice it now or not, but uh, yeah, uh, to me. Yeah. Because I didn't have that issue to me. It was just like an absolutely amazing match. Um, I probably, I'm definitely would have to think where I put it on kind of my match of the year list so far. But I definitely would put it really, really high uh, as of right now. Uh, maybe that will change with a rewatch, but uh, like as of right now, I would definitely like put that very easily, like in probably my top three, at the very least, my top five, I would put it in there. Oh yeah, I mean, I've seen uh, many people raving about it. People talking about Yuma as like, most outstanding wrestler of the year. I'm not quite sure you can justify him as wrestler of the year from a business perspective uh, kind of thing, or, or as someone that's like holding the promotion together, but absolutely. I think in the conversation for like most outstanding wrestler of the year and Kento too, and Kento really hadn't been there since 2019, but I think so far this year, he, and I think given what probably going to happen, he's going to be in the running again this year. Yeah. I think Kento for me is definitely like wrestler of the year for me at the moment, like it's a three-way race uh, between Okada, Kento, and Goshi Ozaki. Um, as of right now, I would probably still put Okada number one, but it is definitely like getting close. And that might again, like change even within like this month, just or maybe not within this month, but it might just change like kind of like by the end of June. Like if, Go has like a really amazing match with Kojima, like then I might put him number one. And then kind of depending what Okada does at like Dominion, and I might put him number one. And then depending on what Kento does at Odawart, then I might put him number one again. So yeah, it's just like an incredibly close race right now for that uh, for that specific award. And just some other notes um, before we go. Um... It sounds like Evolution Girls is actually going to happen. Um, uh, Suwama wants to debut, the, debut them at the Budokan. And um, Tsukasa uh, Fujimoto of Ice Ribbon, although she's sort of on hiatus after uh, getting married, she's still technically an advisor because the other advisor was Akane Fujita, but she left uh, to form prominence. Uh, I don't know where this is going to go. And I like don't have an issue with this, um, like, but I wouldn't even call it an all Japan women's division because this definitely seems to be like a Suwama thing. I mean, it's called Evolution Girls. Um, but my only concern is that it becomes like the great women's division where you have uh, Michiko uh, Miyagi and um, is it uh, Yukari Hosokawa, I think is the... Uh, other women uh, under contract to great and um, they, they lose all their matches to outsiders. Not all of them, but about like 90, 80, 90% of them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 
I mean, it's Schrodinger's evolution, girls. It's like, it's always just around the corner to happen and also definitely not happening at the same time. Well, there's another press so, conference at the end of the month. So maybe they'll be revealing the trainees or who else Yeah, that's is the one I am really curious is like, because how many women is it going to be? Because like, maybe I really hope many. this isn't like another like wrestle one situation where you have like a two women like division made because the wrestle one like women's division like that was hannah kimura and asuka and that was it yeah and then they get signed away by you know rossi will steal them if they're any good no to be fair yeah i mean like obviously the wrestle one division like it was only two people but i mean obviously both of them were absolutely amazing um so i mean if it's that then that's still a nice thing to have i guess but yeah we'll see if this is more if this is like a wrestle one division if this is like the great one or if this is more like the Kalega one which if i have to think of like promotions in japan that have kind of both men and women on shows probably Kalega that loki actually does best with that because they do actually like like i don't think they have kind of equal time on shows but just thinking about some of the Kalega shows that i've watched like they do like get main events and everything and they do get like decent amount of time on the shows. So if it's more something like that, then I think it can be a great addition to all Japan. But if it's just kind of like this undercut gimmicky thing, then it's like, that's just, that kind of, that would kind of suck. Now, if Sukasa Fujimoto is still involved, then maybe they can, you know, these trainees can be working the ice ribbon dojo shows and ice ribbon shows regularly. And then I, I think mean, that would be a much better use for A, to get them experience and be like, not be jobbers. I mean, that would be cool, but then like, why aren't they just ice ribbon trainees? Why are yeah, I don't know. Well, because like- Su- I think Suama really wants to do this. I'm, I'm sure this would not exist without Suama, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's also called Evolution Girls. And exactly. All Japan Girls. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm Which is why I don't call it an all-Japan women's division. It's a Suwama women's division. Basically. It's the Suwama women's division. <laughs> that sounds kind of wrong, not going to lie. But um, I mean, cautiously optimistic. I mean, let, I'm definitely willing to give it a chance. But if it's just like an undercard, kind of like where they're working, like regularly just working the second match on the show and never get anything more than that, then like, why even bother? But I mean, for now, let's see where it goes. I mean, it's definitely been coming for a long, long time now. Yep. So these trainees better be good given on like how long allegedly, like, I don't know, like if even like those trainees have been like training since the start when this was announced or. Well, I thought they had a trainee, but the training or... left. I thought I had heard that. So I don't know yeah. what's going on with this. Yeah. We have like no idea who like is even who, how many trainees there are, like who they are, how long they've been like working, but yeah for now i'm willing to give it a chance and then i mean just history doesn't really make me confident for something like this working out yeah well i will give uh, suwama's determination to make this happen might be um i mean that's the thing like suwama is someone like i mean he pretty much just carried all japan for some of its lowest periods by just like sheer force of will so we know he can be incredibly stubborn and just make things work that shouldn't be working. So maybe this is another one of those cases. Yeah. 
so on the May 25th show at uh, in Yokohama at the Horugaya Public Hall, um, I think just the key matches to talk about here are Yuma Aoyagi versus Ryuki Honda, which should be great. And the main event is um, Kento Miyahara, Atsuki, or Atsuki Aoyagi, and uh, Rising Hayato versus T-Hawk, Irie, and uh, Issei Onitsuka. Oh, I forgot to say, Kento called out T-Hawk um, at the end of uh, the Sapporo show after the Triple Crown match, and they're having a match for the Triple Crown on May 29th. Uh, the uh, jobbing of great guys and other promotions continues. Um, uh, uh, great could not even negotiate uh, to let New Japan have uh, El Lindemann go over um, uh, Doki uh, before uh, Lindemann could drop the G-Rex title to Irie on a show that will be happening in a couple of hours from when we're recording. I assume Irie is going to be winning that match, but if he doesn't, then I don't know. I wouldn't, I simply wouldn't let my champion enter a tournament, in another company holding my title like that, but we'll see what happens. But, you know, great is basically just given all of their uh, talent up to jobs. I mean, it'll probably be an incredible match. So that's going to build up to that. And that six man, given um, the six man tag on the last Corican show involving uh, strong hearts and Kento. I mean, that could be a very awesome match. Yeah. I think this match is absolutely going to rule. Uh, I mean, the strong hearts guys are just always amazing at these six man tag matches and just like, I mean, just look at who they're up against on the other side. And I mean, what like Kento, Atsuki and Hayato just did and, their tag match on these shows, if they can bring that energy to the six-man tag, like that's just going to be amazing. Um, I mean, maybe also for the T-Hawk title match against Kento, like I do expect Kento to retain. I can't fully... I do think there is an outside chance T-Hawk is going to win, that T-Hawk could win it, this match. No way. I don't believe that, honestly. Uh, I mean, I would put it, I don't think it's a very big chance. I think there is a small chance that he does get a quick title run here. Um, but what I will say definitely is that, like, for the Corrigan Hall show, like, I hope that, like, all Japan, like, are, like, fully focusing on themselves on, like, selling the tickets and that they're not getting anyone from great involved and, like, trying to sell the tickets because... Uh, they might not be selling those tickets. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but uh, the other match on the show that I wanted to talk about, uh, very strange, especially happening at this venue. It's, it's only been seating like 150, 200 people during the pandemic. Uh, Jake Lee versus Suwama is on this show. And uh, Jake is running this angle where he's asking for singles matches. I guess not uh, maybe an ill-fated day, Go Shiozaki, uh, a quest to uh, challenge for the title again. Um, but uh, given uh, what's happening with Suwama and this match happening on a small show, do you think this ends in a DQ? Like uh, Suwama like goes like heel and like beat and like smashes Jake with a chair or something? He goes heel. I mean, we did kind of forget about that. The whole like kind of voodoo murderous match like was also built around like Suwama versus yep. Jake. And that's what happened. Like, yeah, I mean, that one also ended in a DQ. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, because, yeah, as you mentioned, like this is a very small venue to have a match like this. But then what's the point in like, it's a very weird again, like what's the point of like reheating the Jake Suwama feud right now when you also have the Ashino versus Suwama feud? Which is why it, it, well. it, it seems it seems stupid for either of these guys to lose because you're trying to build up Jake 
And then Suwama is doing other stuff. Why do you have him lose? But again, and like, but if that, this is like another DQ finish that, right. like, again, that's what I mean. Like it kind of reheats that feud as well. Like it, that would actually reheat that feud more than if just either man kind of won the match straight up. You yeah, know what that's I mean? true too. Yeah. So true. like, it's just very odd decision to even book this match in the first place. But also, yeah, given the fact that it's such a tiny venue, yeah, I don't, also don't really see like a reason to kind of put over either of them in this match. It's just a very curious decision. Because again, at the Kirk and Hall show, like then like, not involved like with that at all as well like just yeah i don't really get it i mean they are then involved in like the show in june like there you have like suwama and drake in the same match again yeah yeah i just this is one that's just caught my eye and it's like i don't know what's going on here it's utterly bizarre but we'll see where it goes but i haven't just just sticks out to me as uh, some sort of non-finish, whether it be a DQ or a countout or something, or no contest, because maybe Voodoo Murders hit the ring and beat up both guys or something. I don't know. I mean, maybe, or maybe Ashino like gets involved in some yeah. way. Um, so yeah, that's uh, May 25th. And on May 29th at Cork and Hall, Stan Hansen will be in attendance because he's coming yeah. to Japan for the Jumbo Saruta Memorial Show on the 31st. And then he'll also be at Kenta Kobashi's Fortune Dream Show, which will be in June at Cork and Hall. Uh, so that will be really cool to see. Yeah, I'm always happy to see Stan Hansen. And I think he, I'm sure he's going to be happy that he get, finally gets to go to Japan again. Yep, for sure. Uh, so, I mean, the announced card, we've got dark match that starts like 15 minutes before or 20 minutes before the show starts, where Inoue versus Seiko Tachibana. Actually, I'm looking forward to that because I like both men a lot. Takao Mori, Black Monster, and Sushi versus Yoshitatsu, Izanagi, and Carbel Ito. Hell yeah. Um, I'm always happy to see more Carbel Ito. Those six man titles seem to be MIA, even though Yoshitatsu still carries <laughs> went to the ring. But they haven't I think been it's just going to go the way of the Corona International Champion, where it's just a belt that Yoshitatsu carries around. They haven't been defended since like October, I think. I looked this up a couple of days ago because I'm like, oh, I don't know. Maybe they can't get dates on them. And that tournament that's on June 12th is not for them. So I don't know what's going on with them. But <laughs> Yeah, that's even weirder. Yeah, they have a six-man tag tournament and then like they have like a non-functioning six-man. Like that would just be the perfect... Maybe that's something that they're still going to do. Maybe that's yeah, something maybe. that they're going to announce where Yoshitatsu is just going to be like, yeah, actually, I'm just going to vacate this belt now. And then the winner of the tournament is going to be the new champions. Is it mm. just kind of weird that he just carries around the belt and never defends it? Yeah, for sure. And then we have sort of for the All Asia Tag Team title heat dubbing match, we got Regi Honda, Hokuto Omori, and Yusuke Kodama versus the Aoyagi brothers in Rising Hayato. Another Jake singles match where Jake uh, takes on Tajiri. His it is stable. a curious decision. Yeah, total eclipse against each other yeah well jake requested it and tajiri was like hyping it up on twitter like yes jake is like building himself up i'm happy to have this match or something like that uh it's very weird um and then match i think could be really really cool shotaro ashina versus ryuji hijikata yeah that kind of came out of nowhere as well <laughs> yeah but i'm looking forward to it because um, i've really liked hijikata ever since battle arts and in um, evolution versus, I mean, Ashino's winning, right? Oh, I, would, I God, I hope so. God, imagine if we're just being like, oh, this is all clearly leading to like a big Ashino singles run, and uh, then he loses here <laughs> to a part-time wrestler that's like yes. fifty years old. 
Um, and so we've got Evolution, Suwama, Hikaru Saito, and Dan Tamara versus the um, uh, Voodoo Murders team. And honestly, I suppose you could have come up with a worse combination, but it's Taru Kono, a.k.a. Masayuki Kono, and Minoru, a.k.a. Minoru Tanaka. Um, technically, you should just let, like, Tanaka and Sato wrestle this whole match while everyone else brawls on the outside. And I think that's the best way you can make the match good. Yeah. I mean, if Sato hadn't already called out Tiger Mask, I actually would have been like, maybe we're going to get like a Minoru Tanaka oh, Sato. Oh, God, that like, would have been awesome. Yeah. Title match out of this. Uh, but yeah, I mean, given that we already know the next challenger, uh, that's very unlikely. I mean, I do expect there's going to be some sort of angle here. Uh, whether that is Suwama kind of turning on evolution and joining Voodoo Murderers. Or if this is like Ashino turning and joining Voodoo Mur- Like, I do expect there's someone joining Voodoo Murderers here. <laughs> it would be hilarious if it was Dan. <laughs> Dan takes over Voodoo Murderers. <laughs> that actually would be that actually would be hilarious if just Dan turns on Evolution, and he because yeah he yeah he's been teaming with Abdullah, so he's just like no, I just want to team with fat guys. So <laughs> he's just gonna be like I- I'm taking over this faction now. Fuck all of you. <laughs> and uh, as we mentioned, the semi-main event for the World Tag Team Titles: Twin Towers versus Kumadori, and then uh, Kento versus T Hawk. The Triple Crown, which, um, well, I mean, we talked about the chance of T-Hawk winning. You seem to think there's one. I don't, but, I mean, it should be incredible. Yes, um, I think that is definitely, I think that's more or less a guarantee. Unless something weird happens, like, I don't know, if either men, like, barring either of them getting injured, I think this is going to be a complete banger. And then on June 12th, we've already talked about the six-man tournament last episode. And uh, I guess, well, officially now the match is uh, Miyahara, Suwama, and Minoru Suzuki versus Yuma Aoyagi because he's won the champion carnival. And then Jake Lee and Shuji Ishikawa. And then that's also with the All Asia Tag Titles match with uh, Hokuto and Kodama versus uh, Atsuki and Rising Hayato. Uh, Paul, did you have any other um, thoughts on All Japan Pro Wrestling before we shift over to Anoa? Nothing except for that. I think I'm really excited about kind of what all Japan is going to do kind of over the next couple of months. Because I think kind of they have a lot of momentum coming out of these kind of two really, really good shows. And I hope that they will be able to kind of maintain that momentum going forward. Uh, yeah, I mean, I this is the most excited I've been in all Japan in a long time, despite some questionable things going on in the mid card. I think we covered around Suwama and Jake, but hopefully there's some sort of direction that will pay off at the end of all of this. Mm-hmm. So we moved to Pro Wrestling Noah, um, and they had a show on May 14th at Yokohama Radiant Hall, another an innovation show, although this was a little less strictly um, junior heavyweights than some of the other and innovation shows. Paul, uh, I guess we'll just sort of talk about, I don't think we'll go match by match on this one, but what are your overall thoughts of the show? I thought it was actually a really fun show overall. Um... Uh, it kind of flew by when I watched it. Uh, I think maybe like my, not going match to match, but I think the matches that I would definitely recommend from this one would be Chris Ridgeway versus Seiki Yoshioka. I think that was a really strong kind of singles match. Uh, I think both men worked really hard. Uh, and I also really like Kaito Kiyomiya and Yuya Susumu versus Ogawa and Simon Gotch. I think this was like more proof as well that actually God just kind of, or he's at least defying my expectations. Yeah, mine too, actually, absolutely. Yeah, he's just matching up really well. 
Uh, I'm actually really looking forward to now to his singles match uh, with Kaito coming up. Uh, so I think if you want, like, I think I would definitely say like you can kind of watch the entire show because it's kind of just like a really nice show to watch, like it flies by. Uh, but if you want, if you don't have enough time to do that, then I think you should at least like go and watch Rich Ray with Yoshioka and then Kaito and Susumu with Ogawa and Gorge. Uh, I also enjoyed uh, the Junta Miyawaki versus Kenya Okada time of the draw, even though I think Okada should be able to beat Miyawaka, uh, Miyawaki, even though technically Miyawaki, uh, I think, did be first, but Okada is still generally positioned as a heavyweight, so God knows what's going on with that. But I continued my he, quest. He needs to go on excursion, like plain yeah. and simple. Like he needs to go away for like six months come back completely fresh with a new gimmick and then he needs to get a push and because it's not going to happen like with whatever is happening there right now like he just needs to go away for a bit so what do you think Kenya Okada's uh, gimmick and impact will be then Kenya Okada's gimmick and impact uh, <laughs> I mean it's def- he's definitely going to have a theme that involves flute music in some to some degree yeah um, oh I gotta say I enjoyed the main event of Harada versus Hio actually no sorry just just quick I mean He's Kenya Okada, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, obviously, Okato he's going two. to be Okato Jr. Okato yes. <laughs> Jr., Okato 2, El Hijo del Okato. El Hijo de Kazuchika Okato. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's actually, I never thought of that. But yeah, because Noah hasn't sent anyone on an excursion since uh, Kaito went to Canada, I don't think. Yeah, and they did recently cut that. I mean, if that's still on, oh, they right. cut the, that deal with. Oh yeah, Ultimo. that's a good. That's an interesting question because we haven't talked about it. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> Nosawa is no longer the Booker of Pro Wrestling Noah, uh, which we noted in the title of our last episode. And that, that was, a, with, was literally in the middle of editing the episode, and all the news break. I'm like, fuck's sake. Well, what's sort of interesting, <laughs> which ties into this show, because this might be the last sort of like Zebrat's appearance in Noah for. Yeah, because previously I was like, oh, yeah, oh, he was on the mm-hmm. show and then probably they're going to stick around longer. And then, yeah, the news broke of Nosawa leaving the promotion. And yeah, I also expect that this is kind of the last we've seen of Zebrat's as well, especially because Hyo took the fall here as well. Yeah. So now I think that's just kind of the done now. Now, going back to that Mexico thing, from my understanding, it might actually be Ultimo himself that owns the property, though, right? Yes, it is kind of the Ultimo, like, because they called it the Ultimo Casa, so it's just the right. Ultimo House. Yeah. So is it possible that Noah could still have access? I don't know. I mean, I hope so, because I do think, like, their trainees would, like, benefit a lot from just having excursions, like, A, to, like, get, like, different perspectives, but also be just to like kind of go away after the young boy phase and kind of come back refreshed. I think that's something that really, really helps wrestlers in Japan because it kind of like washes the stink of losing off of them. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I mean, otherwise kind of like, what are your feelings kind of on the end of, I mean, obviously like it's kind of old news at this stage, but kind of what are your general feelings on the end of Dinosava? Uh, rain or the Nasava kind of booking regime. Well, I mean, I think uh, well, kind of Kaito is taking over, so in some ways things won't change fundamentally in terms of uh, the olds uh, running wild at the top. I mean, I'm sure I don't think the finish to whatever it is of Go versus Kojima is changing. For example, uh, whatever happens with Fujita 
comes back uh, is probably going to continue. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be that big of a deal. Although, you know, I will give Nosawa credit when he wasn't pushing. I thought like his booking was logical. It was just like who was getting pushed and what the results were. We're not, you know what I mean? Like structure of cards and like who goes over like to build up matches. I thought like those things were like done fairly well. Right. Yeah. Like I thought, I thought he did an amazing job, for example, rebuilding Nakajima. Right. Cause that was like a really like long-term thing as well, because he was just kind of like a guy on the roster when Nosawa took over. Yeah. And then he just really just made this like long-term, like, like multiple year plan to rebuild Nakajima. And I think he did that one. Like he actually managed to like pull it off. Uh, so yeah, I think Nasaba's biggest kind of downfall always was that he just, he, it's so weird just looking at him and just his general demeanor and everything that he's just someone that is like too respectful to elders because that's just to his elders, to his like his seniors, like, because that's just not what the type of person that he seems like, but that's what he is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely a surprising end of his booking regime. Um, in terms of maybe like kind of what changes going forward is like obviously I think the biggest impact is going to be on outside relationships and I mean yeah. we, we can already see it where there are like more like crossovers between DDT and NOAA and I think that is something that we also like have noted as well on our shows previously like that it was kind of curious that there were never any crossovers between right. DDT and NOAA where there just seemed to be like a really strict firewall between the two promotions which never made any sense. So it sounds like one of the things that Cyberfight wants to have is more DDT and Noah crossover, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's some of yeah. the, the stuff that's um, been sort of being pushed, um, which is interesting, I thought, um, because on May 30th uh, in Noah, there's um, sort of leading up to the, we'll get to it in a second, but there's like DDT town on that. So before, but before we get to that, some of the other Noah shows coming up on May 19th, another show at Yokohama Radiant Hall. Um, I think the only matches of note is Kaito Kiyomiya versus Simon Gotch. And I have to ask you, with given the results in the tag match on the show we just talked about, is Gotch beating Kaito? Yes. <laughs> it was actually going to be my hot take for this match, <laughs> but it seems like I'm not the only one that picked up on that. Yeah, I actually expect Gotch to win this match. That, that's definitely going to set some people off. Um, yeah. I don't think that's really like a main major thing. Like I think Kaito is still going to be fine, like even with that result. But I mean, it's also like God just looks like a complete goober if he doesn't win this match. Right. Absolutely. Uh, also on the show, I just have to point this out because this is the match that no one asked for. Renee Dupree versus Michael Elgin. I mean, maybe Dupree actually, but Dupree's not going to win this. I mean, that's, that's going to be an interesting match to say the least. Uh, we, we also have uh, like Hijo de Wagner Jr. versus Masa Kitamiya. Actually kind of curious about that one because I think it could be decent. Yeah, I mean, Kitamiya and singles matches is always just like, it's, it's a coin flip basically. And Wagner is kind of, he's solid, but he's also not someone that can carry a match. So this kind of comes down to like what version of Masa Kitamiya we get in this match. Right. Uh, I, I think it will be better than uh, Dupree versus Algen. Because I think Wagner's better than Dupree. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Is, is there a chance that match falls apart as well? Like oh, for in sure. a bad way? Oh, yeah, absolutely. No question at all. Um, 
And then so, um, and the main event is Goshi Ozaki and Daiki Nava versus uh, Marfuji and Kojima. And uh, I think the uh, who's taken the fall in that one is ob- obvious. I mean, uh, I would say Inaba is most likely case, but there is still a chance that Shiozaki actually takes the pin. Or has Shiozaki pinned Kojima? Because that could happen too. Because um, Kojima's already pinned yeah. Shiozaki in a tag. I mean, I could see that happening as well, but uh, yeah, because like, Shiozaki is not going to get the win in the next time they face off either. So actually, yeah, this might be like his best chance to beat Kojima prior to Cyber Fight. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. Kojima's just going to kind of like run the table yep well there's another match uh, where go could actually get a win over kojima because we move on to the Oda ward show on may 29th which is or may 21st i'm sorry which is being promoted as the uh keiji muto return paul have you seen the poster to this show it's amazing i want that poster so badly it's basically cyborg muto yes it's amazing like i would hang that up on my wall like immediately like i need to figure out a way on like or maybe like find a way to like get my hands on a poster. So uh, let me ask you this question, Paul. Do you think Keiji Muto has more or less metal in his body than has been uh, depicted on that poster? Uh, I don't think he has any metal implants in his face. I would still say it's less, but we're getting close there. Like if he actually, for example, like I don't know if he breaks his orbital bone or something, then the poster will actually just become eerily accurate. Um, it's just sort of wild to think like he just, so he's been out four months and he didn't have surgery. I'm like, there's not an insignificant chance that he injures himself again in his first match back. Might happen. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be really curious how he even like moves around the yeah, ring my God. now. Like, it's not like he was mobile before this. So I don't know what this is going to look like now. But I mean, if there is a wrestler, once it actually becomes like, I don't know, if it ever becomes a viable thing for a human to just transplant their brain into a fuller cybernetic body, like you can just bet that Keiji Mudra is going to be the first person to do this. Yeah. Uh, some other notable matches on the show. Uh, Kazu- Kazuyuki Fujita returns and faces Kenya Okada in the opening match of the show. Poor Okada. Um, this will be like three minutes <laughs> He's long. He's going to get fucked. Yeah. Uh, like he's gonna like Fujita's gonna take all of his frustrations out on him. Uh, Funky Express explodes because uh, King Tani is re- reverting to Shuhei Taniguchi when he faces Mohamed Yone on the show. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of curious that he's just stopping being King Tani. I don't know if that means anything. Maybe they did realize that, like, we have all of these people that are like way older than Taniguchi that we're still pushing. So, like, why do we have Taniguchi? You can still go in this kind of undercard comedy stable. But yeah, it, it is definitely curious that just all of a sudden he decided to just stop being King Tan and he's back to being Shohei Taniguchi. Yeah, oh, and I forgot the second match is Deki Nab and Junta Miyawaki versus Yoshiki Inamura and Kai Fujimura. Poor Inamura still like wrestling with uh, the young boys, God almighty. And then we've got Daisuke Harada at Sushi Kotoge Yohei, who is a freelancer now. And how uh, versus Tadasuke, Hajime Ohara, Hiroki slash High 69, and Shuji Kondo. Uh, that actually could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm actually interesting to see because that if Kondo is still a regular now as well, because we were talking kind of on where the Dragon Gate right. relationship is, because Kondo is still the Dragon Gate guy. Like he just squashed Kai in King of Gate. 
So it's not like he's leaving Dragon Gate in any way. Right. Yeah, we'll see if he's going to be a regular and Noah as well going forward. Then Masakatsu Funaki, Kazuhiko Nakajima, and Manabu Soya versus Takashi Sugera, Hideki Suzuki, and Misaki Mochizuki. Um, uh, this could be pretty good, actually. Yeah, I think this could be a really fun tag match. Uh, kind of curious that it isn't higher up the card, but then again, there are like a ton of title matches on the show. Yeah. Uh, but I think Loki, that could be like one of the best matches on the show. And then we've got uh, Keno versus uh, Simon Gotch, which is, I think adds to the idea that Gotch beats Kaito. Um, yes, because he's going to lose to Keno because Keno has a big singles match on Cyberfight Festival. Yeah. Like, I would be very surprised if Gotch beats him here. And again, that would mean, like, if he loses to Kaito as well, that means he, like, lost the first three singles matches in Noah. Because yeah. he lost to Funaki, and then if he loses to Kaito, and he's definitely he's very, very likely going to lose here. It means he's 0-3 in singles matches, and I don't think they want to do that. And they seem to like with him, him, given what they're giving him. Yeah. right. He's the second most pushed foreigner after Algin, really. Yeah, so that's why I also expect him to beat Kaito, but lose here. And then for the GHC Junior Heavyweight Tagging Title, uh, Yoshinari Ogawa and Chris Ridgway versus Seki Yoshioka and Yuya Susumu. I mean, if you swapped out Susumu for someone else, this would probably kick a lot of ass. So I guess it's sort of, I guess the question is how this is going to be structured. Yeah, also spoiler alert, uh, Ogawa and Ridgway are going to lose. Uh, like Yoshioka and Susumu are winning. You think so? Yeah, because Ridgway is going back. Like oh. he's leaving Japan. <laughs> spoiler. That's why I mean spoiler alert. I looked at the I looked at the the date thing again for the foreigners, like who's yep. staying how long, and Rich Ray's leaving after the show. What was the point of this title? <laughs> this is I think it's we're still in like this is definitely something Nosawa would do. So we're still sort of like a bit of Nosawa hangover booking, basically. Yeah. I would have really liked, I mean, maybe they give them a longer title reign and that we just don't see a defense of the junior heavyweight. Well, who's to say that Ridgeway doesn't pop, come back in, a, in um, July with uh, Ninja Mac or August? I mean, maybe. I mean, he's booked, he's booked for a couple of shows in the UK. But then again, actually, Mac is booked on shows in the UK just before he comes back to Noah. Yeah. So maybe I, he just meets up with Ridgeway and comes back with him. Yeah, it's not a, I don't think it's a big deal for them to hold on to the titles. Yeah, but I would probably gun to Madam, I would say that they lose here because he is kind of going back. But then again, actually, yeah, because Cyber Fight Festival, you're not going to have a no. title defense there. So you probably can actually excuse not having a junior tag title defense for like a little bit. Yeah. So I just hope, in that case, I hope that they hold on to the belts because I just would. Oh, they're like, tremendous. To see Ogawa and Rich Ray hold the titles for like a lot longer. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Seiki Yoshioka as a champion, I'm all in favor of that. Yuya Susumu, a little less yeah. so. Like, we just went for a lengthy Ogawa Hayata during a tag title reign, so I don't need another reign where like, one guy is way better than the other one. And then uh, for the GHC Junior Heavyweight title, Hayata def- defends against Extreme Tiger. I don't know. Keep this short, in- and it might be fine. Talking about like leftover Nosawa booking. Uh, but if this goes 20 minutes, <laughs> it could be a uh, nice 11 minutes in and out, I say. Uh, by the way, uh, sorry, just to quickly go back to the junior heavyweight tag titles. 
did you hear why uh, because obviously at first we had the challenge of uh, of super crazy and uh, Tejano Jr. yeah for those belts and then obviously they very clearly seemed to pivot when Nosawa uh, yeah got super let go. crazy does not actually have a contract yes that was just an angle yeah no but it was also uh, they actually like Ogawa actually addressed it Uh, because they got challenged by those two and why he he actually said that he turned down the challenge of Tejano and uh, Super Crazy <laughs> because uh, he didn't consider them juniors. He oh. said they're heavyweights so they can't challenge for these belts. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, well, yeah, Super Crazy is questionably a junior and El Tejano is definitely not a junior. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But yeah, Extreme Tiger, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think these are really two people that can have a really good match against each other. I would also would be extremely, extremely uh, surprised if Extreme Tiger uh, wins this match. Like fully expect Hayata to retain, which yeah, actually yeah. would be, to be honest, is one of the few times I actually think that's the preferable option. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I think it's fine if it's 10 minutes, but other than that, I would not think it would be good if he, they go 20 and it's just like Hayata always seems to get so much time. So that's what I'm a little concerned about. And then we have the GHC tag team title, uh, Renee Dupree and El Hijo de Dr. Wagner Jr. against Michael Elgin and Masa Kitamiya. I don't know how this will turn out, but I'm like match quality wise. I don't know how this will turn out, but I'm pretty sure Elgin and Kitamiya are winning the titles here. Yeah. Um, I would be surprised if they don't. Like really, the only reason Dupree and Wagner got the titles back is because they never lost them in the first place right. because of the pandemic. Uh, yeah, so well, possibly Hideki. Do you think Hideki wanted to lose to Algin or Kitamiya either? Uh, I mean, that's actually an interesting wrinkle to this as well. Yeah, that might be another one. Like, I mean, obviously, that transitional champions to Algin yeah. and Kitamiya. And yeah, then we'll see how that reign goes afterwards. But this match... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe we'll get a surprise great match, but I would just... I also, to be fair, I also don't expect this match to be bad. I think it's going to be a good match, not a great match, and then we'll just move on from there. Yeah. And then in the main event, Go Shiozaki, Kaito Kiyomiya, and Masato Tanaka versus Naomichi Marafuji, Satoshi Kojima, and the returning Keiji Muto. Um, like I said, this is another match where Go might pin Shiozaki, Or sorry, Go might pin uh, Kojima, uh, but uh, Mudo might win here just because it's yes. Mudo. It's the Mudo return match. Like, and Kiyomiya's right very there. Very obviously. Yes. I mean, I could also see Mudo pin Tanaka. Yeah. To be honest. Because, I mean, if Kaito's losing to Gotch and then he's also losing here, I think that's definitely not great yeah it's geek levels off the charts yeah so like i could definitely see like tanaka actually get pinned here as well i do kind of expect muto to get the pin though i mean yeah there is an off chance that shiozaki pins kojima instead but i don't know like it's it's muto like it's basically it depends on what muto wants to do and that's what's going to happen in this match yeah for sure and then on maybe he's the actual booker like Yes, yeah. people say like Kashin took over. But like, let's be real. Like, it's just whoever is the fall guy for Muto. Like, Muto is like the actual guy that has like the last word. Yeah. And then on May um, 30th in um, Kawasaki, 
Um, it hasn't been a full card, but I think it's really interesting because what I think is the main event will be Goshi Ozaki, Shuhei Taniguchi, and Daisuke Harada versus Satoshi Kojima, Kojima Naomichi Marufuji, and Atsushi Kotoge. That could slap really hard. Yeah, I think that should be that could be a ton of fun. Um, uh, I'm really curious about again because he's just back to Shuhei Taniguchi now and immediately like moves up the card as well. Yeah. So it's very strange. I wonder who's. Yeah. I wonder if he's replacing someone that's going to start to be phased out. Like is Mo like Mochizuki? Is he still going to be hanging around? I mean, yeah, that that's what I'm curious about as well. I mean, he has always gotten like a lot of freedom. Yeah, he from does. Dragon Gate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe it also might be that he might get involved with something more in Dragon Gate, so he might not be available for as many dates as he was before. Right. Uh, so maybe that's something to factor in. But I mean, he was involved heavily with Noah before, like the Dragon Gate Noah like relationship got like tighter. Yeah. So I would be surprised if he just stops being booked completely, but yeah, it might just be a thing where he's not available for as many matches as he was before. And that might be yeah, that they're like sh shuffling Taniguchi into that spot. I mean, why that has to be Taniguchi and can't be like someone like Inamura, I don't know, but I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then uh, we have a, a six person tag match building up to the Cybervite Festival in with uh, Keno, Hajime Ohara, and Hiroki versus Daisuke Sasaki, MJ Paul, and Cannon. Uh, I don't know how this will turn out, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, I'm not really a Sasaki fan. I know a lot of people are. Uh, MJ Paul is, is not very good. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, generally, though, like Congo is good at these type of matches. Yeah. So I think it definitely has a chance to be a good match, but yeah, it kind of depends on like what the DDT sides wants to do in this match, basically, like uh, what what level of work they show up with to this. And in a match that has a lot of people hyped, but at the same time, I think just being put on this show and being built in the mid card sort of tells you how each sort of company thinks about uh, each of these guys. It's Yoshiki and Amura versus Kazusada Higuchi. Like, holy shit. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Higuchi, like when I was talking about there should be more crossover between DDT and Noah, yeah. I specifically wanted Higuchi and Noah because it just fits in like a glove. Yeah, like, I really hope this isn't just like a one-off thing to like build a cyber fight festival. I really hope he is going to be like someone that gets booked regularly in Noah. Like I actually want him to be in the N1, for example. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. I guess we'll have to see it. But I mean, again, they want more DDT Noah crossover, so he would be perfect for that. Exactly. Like, yeah. So I really hope this isn't just like a one-off. Um, but yeah, this match, like, it's going to slap. Obviously, like, this is a really great matchup. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of trying to temper my expectations as well, uh, but at the same time, like, I'm really high. Like, I'm really, really looking forward to this match, and I think could be something special as well. And if it is actually results in Higuchi kind of getting more regularly booked and Noah going forward, then maybe they can use this to like start something as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, do you think we should go over the Cyber Fight Festival now or should we save that till next week? Because that'll still be well before the show. Um, I mean, we, let's do like a match by match preview next time. But just kind of what you're general feelings were after the card was announced uh 
very disappointing. Um, like I said, I'm not like a, a, a Daisuke Sasaki fan. So to me, like, I'm just looking at the card and like, I'm like, what's good? Well, I mean, Go versus Kojima will deliver. Shoko Nakajima versus Yuka Sakazaki should be good. Um, but that's also not a very fresh match. No, it's not. Well, the, well, that's uh, n- not unlike some of the other promotions that we talk about. Uh, Tokyo Joshi has a problem with the same rotating cast of main eventers challenging for the princess of or holding the princess of princess title. Uh, and no one else seems to have moved up in a long time. Um, there is, uh, well, this, this um, Tetsuya Endo, Junakiyama and Kazusada Huguchi versus Marafuji, Katoga and Inamura looks good. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you've got the RVD match. I mean, let's talk about, yeah, RVD. Yeah, yeah that's bad and it um it's what here um oh yeah um it's listed as a no offer match so and apparently rob van dam i hear rumblings that he is going to be this isn't a one-off so you know wait is he going to be the ex in the match and the uh no he's with uh, ogawa and hayata versus kiyomiya harada and yohei so the X. Oh, right. Is... Sorry, that is on this show. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought that the match with X was on another show, but it's on this one as well. Yeah, yeah. never mind. Um, I mean, you've got. I mean, I... what I will maybe say in the defense of the card is I don't think it's super different from last year's Cyber Fight Festival. And I think what is kind of one of the main reasons why people have been like so down on this one compared to last year's card is. The lack of a KOD title match. I think yes. that's really the big. Like, I think this looks like a very different card if you have like Endo against someone defending the KOD title against someone. Yep. Well, I mean, who is there for Endo to? He just defended against Ueno, who would have been a credible challenger like Higuchi or um... Akiyama. Akiyama. I mean, they are stable mates, I, but still. Well, like... yeah, I think they might be saving that too. Harashima? Yeah. It's not like he's doing anything on this show. Yeah. Uh, well, there's no uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima on this show. Yeah, that is also very curious. Mm. Which, you know, makes you wonder if he's in the doghouse for not drawing, because he's probably not happy with his circumstances otherwise as well. Is Ueno on the show? Yeah, he is in a match. He's in a DDT offer match. So it's Hiroshima, Naomi, uh, Yoshimura, Chris Brooks, and Masahiro Takanashi versus Yuki Ueno, uh, Shunma Katsumata, Mao, and Asuka. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, could be a, that should be a good match too, right? I mean, yes. some of the like the promotional like offer matches that are aren't interpromotional are generally pretty good, you know. But I mean, like I don't know. Just doesn't excite me. What can I say? No, I mean I get that, and but to me, like I just look at the card. I'm like, it's not that different from the last Cyberfight Festival, and that one delivered. So I think I'm still looking forward to the match. But I do get why people are kind of like down on it as well. I'm just skeptical, because, skeptical yeah. because like I don't see um, like last year it was uh, Kimia and Inamura versus Ueno, and um, who was the fourth person in that match? Uh, wasn't it there was Ueno and uh, Takeshita, right? Oh, yeah, that's right. Ueno Takeshita was Kiyomiya and uh, Inamura. Yeah, Inami- yeah. yeah. Like, so, yeah, there's like nothing like that, right? 
Um, to me, that was like the best match on that show. I don't know. I mean, you don't really have anything like that, but like, for example, I mean, that six-man tag, I think, could be really, really good, though. Mm-hmm. Endo Akiyama, Higuchi versus Marufuji, Kotoga, and Inamura. Like, do I think it's going to be as good as, that ta- as the tag match from last year's? No. Keno versus Sasaki, I'm curious about, because there's like a wide variance of match quality here mm-hmm. that this could go. So like, but I mean, look, they build it up really nicely. I mean, Keno set his fucking leg on fire, <laughs> leg on fire in the press conference. Yeah. Like, what more can you do to build up a match? Exactly. Like literally, like literally injecting fire into it. <laughs> yeah, but I it, it'll be full of like interference and stuff. But whatever. I mean, I don't know. I just simply not excited. I mean, it should still be a good show. I mean, I'm sort of curious, like that princess of princess title four way number one contenders match. Do they sort of? use it to sort of elevate someone i don't know like me wanted watanabe so we'll see but i don't know just otherwise and like who is x in the in the it's i'm assuming it's another foreigner i mean i think it's eddie oh right eddie edwards yeah yeah because i think he didn't come up with the original crop because he was still like busy like because like impact had a pay-per-view around that time yeah i think right yeah they had like a big show so he probably couldn't come in for the uh, big shows, for the majestic shows. Uh, but I do kind of expect him to come in here. Like, I would assume it's probably going to be someone that has been a Noah before. And there aren't really that many guys left that it could be. My unrealistic hope is that it's Chris Hero, but I think Chris Hero is just done wrestling. Yeah. So it's more like, it was it being like I don't want Chris Hero to be done. Is it Claudio? If this is where Claudio turns up after everything, that would be something. I mean, <laughs> that the, would be if he's that not would be on, really cool. If he's not on Dynamite this Wednesday night as the Joker, you know, I think that actually increases the chances of it, yeah, Claudio being X. I mean, he probably earned an absolute shitload of money in WWE because he was there for a while. Yeah, so he might just. Yeah, he might just go and be like, no, I'm now that I'm free, I just want to go out and have fun. And then he might just go and be like, I'm going to go work Japan now. Well, if, he, if he's not going to AEW, there's no one else that's going to pay him comparable money. So if he wants to keep wrestling, he might as well take a Noah booking. Yeah. I mean, or New that Japan. would be really cool. I mean, Claudio, I hadn't even considered that option, to be honest. Yeah, that would be really cool. Like him, like Eddie, Eddie would be a great option as well. Yeah, Eddie can still go. It's and... probably the most likely is Eddie. <laughs> yeah, Claudio though, like Claudio would be. Yeah, I, f- I would love for it to be Claudio. I don't think it's going to be Claudio, but I would love that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll um, break that down maybe more on next episode if see if there's any news. And obviously, I think some of the stuff on the May 30th Noah show will uh, be setting that up. So Paul, do you have any uh, overarching thoughts about? Um, what we talked about this week or in, or Noah or all Japan? Uh, I think just generally speaking for Noah is obviously like a massive transition period right now. Uh, don't really have a good feeling yet where things are going to go. I mean, as you mentioned before, it's like unlikely there's going to be many changes at the top of the card, but yeah, you'll never know what happens kind of in these kind of transition periods like wrestling especially can be such a like volatile thing like 
one minute like someone's in a promotion and the next minute they're gone completely. I mean, as we've seen with like Ibushi recently, when he's probably just like done. And yeah, you, you never know if like something like that can happen in other promotions as well. Like obviously I don't expect any like, I don't know, KG Muta to go like on, a, on an unhinged brand on Twitter anytime soon. Uh, but like you never know like what can happen in wrestling and how that changes like completely changes the complexion of a promotion. And I think it's going to be a bit before we kind of see like what Noah like settles down as now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Noah is in a transition phase and All Japan is in a uh, steady climb. I see still a few issues in the company, but I'm, I'm excited. So I can't wait to you know, sort of talk about what happens on May 29th because I think that show will be very important because it has to set up the, um, it's going to go a long way in setting up the Oda Ward gym show. And so we'll know where some of those angles that are a little confusing at times will uh, be telling us. So anyway, uh, for Paul Bosch, I'm Gerard DeTroyo and we'll see you in two weeks. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.